0: By the time that Captain Monroe had made his way through the throngs of people and shops. It was later than he had expected. His confidant was known to be punctual, and if he was too late he risked missing the meeting entirely. He needed to be quick or else he may not get another chance. The package he was picking up was extremely important. While it was not a new weapon cache or supply drop, it would prove extremely valuable if the rumors were to be believed. Apparently it contained information regarding the wall, something about its construction, other information. The wall was far older than any who lived within the city, and while the governor had taken control of the city in recent memory, it had not always been that way. In the past, the city had been a bustling place, with people of all walks, who worked together mostly in peace. The districts were not as they currently were, and no major distinctions existed between them, save for a few infrastructure elements. This was a thriving city. And there was a thriving council which was comprised of delegates from the various communities and groups within the city typically these were a mixture of local elected officials and some organizations and foundations which operated at equivalent levels the council was less so a democracy and more so a type of republic having representatives and from each while internally they may have their own customs Despite some differences, most of the communities got along with each other, or managed to at least stay away from conflict. However, after some heavy famines and a few real-time disasters, the city underwent some difficult times. The communities at first banded together and provided much support, but soon they began to grow tired of the situation. Many grew resentful when they saw their own rations diminish, and contempt began to flourish between neighbors. A couple of the more resilient neighborhoods began to hold out on their own supplies and store them, claiming they could no longer afford the charity to the rest of the city. This brought the first volley of retribution from the hardest-hit communities, and it was not long before factions from different places started to form and gangs began to roam through the streets. The world began to lose its peace that it had acquired, and in its place a type of feudalism, began to emerge out of the once strong republic. It was mostly led by religious factions, corporate initiatives and political wings vying for power. Individuals were rarely at the forefront, but most often were unwilling participants within the conflicts. Many were pressured into joining sides, and those who attempted to remain impartial were swiftly excised by all sides. It was not long before the districts began to build walls between themselves and smaller factions and they were soon subsumed into larger ones. Soon people began to forget why they were fighting and began to fight ideologically instead for the causes themselves. Soon these ideas became the identities that they represented more so than anything particular in their own lives. Out of the incessant warring and infighting, eventually one group began to take control again. It was a more militaristic faction, which prided itself on highly regimented formations and a strict code of conduct that the members followed. Punishment was handed out swiftly to those who neglected their responsibilities, and many took it upon themselves to ensure that the rules were followed, even if that meant taking it into their own hands. This faction was not without its leaders, however, and under its structure a military council directed the faction. The council itself was mostly appointed, those who were on the council were the elite of the elite. There was a road for advancement within the normal ranks, but no such road existed for the council itself. The council was the embodiment of the faction's morale, it was said, and it was they who directed it without question. One such member of the council was the governor himself, and though he had yet to acquire that title, he would soon take control. Through a variety of Machiavellian manoeuvres, the governor had managed to outlive each other member of the council. Many rumours spoken of foul play, but none dared say the rumours out loud, for fear that they too may suddenly find themselves dead. It was an open secret, so to speak, but one that many knew. Ever since he secured power, the city had suffered and slowly fallen into more and more neglect, whilst the faction itself took over and brought General stability across the city. It was done through a militaristic force, and most people were put into roles they'd otherwise not been chosen by themselves. And negotiations were not exactly a part of the faction. And ever since, neither were they a part of Warden. The resistance had no official ways of approaching the council, even before the governor took over. In the shadows of its might, the resistance had slowly grown, mostly grassroots. The resistance hoped to stop both the governor and the infighting and bring about some semblance of peace back to the streets of Warden. At least that was what Monroe had told himself and his men time and time again. It would be no different for the next round of recruits either. Monroe was committed to the cause and he knew the city needed the resistance just as much as he needed it. He slipped past some of the shop stalls and the merchants began covering their wares and securing their goods for the end of the day. It was late, and the only people still around were mostly on their way out. The market didn't stay open late these days, the crime was bad enough during the well-lit hours, but in the evenings it was dangerous to be out. The sun would be setting soon and Monroe, despite having some fighting skills, would rather not find himself out if he could help it. He moved quickly, scanning the stalls, looking for his connection. At last, he spotted him. He was lucky. The merchant was almost finished packing up and looked to be a bit perturbed. My apologies, Nasset. I had a run-in with some of the guards along the way and was delayed a bit. I hope I had not caused you any trouble. Monroe was sincere in his apology. Nasset looked at the familiar voice and turned back to his packing, looking down and apparently disinterested. You are late, and these days it can be dangerous waiting around. I would normally have been gone already, but something came up and so perhaps we are both cursed or blessed. Monroe gave a courteous nod of acknowledgement and looked around, ensuring they were not being watched. So let's not waste any more time, shall we? Uh, do you have the money? I've got what you came for. Monroe looked around, made sure no one was watching, and pulled out the money. Of course I've got the money. Let's hurry up then. Where's the package? Of course, it was not exactly uh, out on display. So follow me, and I'll show you in the back. The merchant beckoned to Monroe and they both slipped through the back curtain into his storage space. Boxes and bags were piled up, and scrolls of parchment were stuffed into various nooks and crannies. The merchant moved uh, past a few packages, moving boxes and bags around, and he pulled out a small satchel with worn edges. It appeared to be almost a bag of old books or papers of some sort, but based on the lumpy shape, it could equally have been almost anything, really. That's the information. That old bag of stuff? Monroe wanted to make sure he got the correct stuff wasn't likely to come back around for this, and he certainly didn't want to be holding something else for someone else. But as he stood there, he became aware that he'd really not known what to expect. Perhaps something more official he'd expected, or some sort of seal. He wasn't really certain, I guess. But this was what it was that he'd come to pick up. You'd better leave the money and get out of here quickly. The last I need is for you to be seen coming out of my shop with that information. I'd rather to keep my life, thank you. The shopkeeper was quite serious. Monroe sensed an urgency about the man. Indeed, I'll be going. Uh, Thank you again, Nassit, for your efforts. No idea how much we need this port. Lately we've been bleeding on many fronts and it seems like the governor has been relentless of late. This information may provide the edge we need. Good. I'm tired of the decay as much as you. Look forward to seeing you succeed. Long live the resistance. Monroe bowed his head out briefly and turned to exit. He quickly pushed his way through the curtain. As he did, he suddenly realized there were other footsteps ahead of him on the other side. He seemed to be picking up speed and retreating away from the curtain. Had he been heard? Did someone hear him talk about the resistance? He thought to himself in a panic, he began to push through. Suddenly, he saw someone slipping away. Monroe flung the curtain aside and caught a young man falling back. Hey, you, don't move, yelled out Monroe to the young man. I I swear, I'm just picking something up. I, I didn't mean to bother anyone. I was here earlier. I just came to pay him back," blunted out the young man from the ground. Monroe stood above the man, unsure what to do. This man could easily rat him out, but the resistance wasn't looking to hurt civilians either. This man shouldn't have been allowed to hear any of this. Monroe needed to think. Without more information, he couldn't quite do that. "'What's your name, kid?' asked Monroe tersely. Uh, my, "'My name is Reed,' replied the young man from the ground, looking a little bit startled. Uh, Reed Ellis. Monroe looked at Reed. Reed looked at, at Monroe, Monroe This was not what either of them had been expecting that evening. The merchant came out, looking at them both and beckoned them in. Hurry, both of you. We don't have time to deal with this. Get in here and get out of sight. They both quickly pulled themselves into the cover of the shopkeeper's storeroom and out of sight of any passers-by.